0: Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. For more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org.
1: So glad that you have decided to join us today. I want to say Merry Christmas to you. And I want to challenge you to go out of your way in ridiculously crazy ways to say Merry Christmas a lot between now and Christmas. Okay, that's a challenge. It's a double dog dare you, in fact okay? That's what it is. And so I want to do that. We want to help you uh, extend invitation to our services during this Christmas season. Kim Blayton uh, and our staff have designed some invitation cards Uh, to help you do that, Uh, I would just invite you to give as many invitations as you can to come and join you as you gather to worship Jesus over the next few weeks, uh, especially to our Christmas Eve service, which is, by the way, is going to be three o'clock and five o'clock on that Sunday of Christmas Eve. We won't have our normal morning services. We're just moving all of our services into the afternoon and, uh, and hope you will come and invite someone or someone's to participate. Our teaching team is going to do everything that we can to present the gospel in clear and relevant ways. And um, getting us going on that is uh, one of my dear brothers. Garrett, if you would make your way, come on up. Uh, this is Garrett. Yeah, Garrett Walker. Um, yeah. Garrett brought his own fan club with him right down here this morning. I do have a fan club. You do have a, fan club, a and, uh, fan club and I'm one of them. I'm in the fan club too, baby. Yeah, you got it. I love this man. I love his family. Uh, For those of you that don't know, he gives leadership to uh, our team of other volunteer adults. Uh, to uh, to share the good news of Christ with teenagers and encourage them to do that as they go and disciple them, and they're doing a tremendous job, and God is at work in you guys, and we're grateful for that because you encourage us too. So thank you for thank leading you. in that way. God absolutely. bless. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. Well, good morning, everybody. It is so good to see you. I, you know, I am Garrett Walker, and I have for the last few years had the incredible honor of spending my life with these people down here. And then there's some folks that are not here as well. But our Driven Student Ministry is is just an amazing group of young people, uh, students between 6th grade and 12th grade, and they are on mission for Christ every day. They love doing life together. They understand that we can't do this life alone. And so they share one another's burdens. They pray for one another. They check up on one another. They sit together at church. And they just absolutely love praising and worshiping God together. And it's just an honor and a privilege of mine that I get to be a small little part of it. But I also get the opportunity to work with some amazing adults. Some amazing adults who just have a heart for middle and high school students like I do. And it it is a blessing to have so many of them who are willing to say, you know what, every Sunday morning, every Wednesday evening, I want to allow myself to our driven students. And so I would just ask right up front for your prayers for our students. Um, They are out there every day going into a world that's dark, just like I was sharing with Emily. Oh, my gosh, how awesome was that to be able to share in Emily's baptism. We're so proud of you and we're loving you. Yeah. Yeah. But these students are going out into a world that's not necessarily kind to them when they play the Jesus card, when they try to be kind to others, when they try to share his love and understanding with others. Uh, They're fighting some pretty dark battles out there. And so I would just pray up front and do this first service because they weren't necessarily in here. But they need your prayers. As a church family, we all to stand together share one another's burdens and pray for one another. And I would just ask that you pray for our students. Well, I'm super excited that I get to be up here today. It's, uh, it's, it's one of my favorite times of year, really. I mean, it kind of is like the big, I mean, I, I love summer because it's hot and I love hot and I know that makes me weird and I've come to accept that. But Christmas is like my second favorite time, but I would rather just sweat like crazy during the summer. But you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas, this, this whole time period between Thanksgiving and Christmas, it's just such a peaceful time. what it's not peaceful I mean like look look at these decorations they're amazing right I mean I yeah congrats to the team who put up all these decorations. I'm sure I'm sure that decorating the church was a peaceful experience don't you think I mean, for my family, my family, I have two children that were both born in December, and so that's always good. So we do the Thanksgiving thing, and then we roll right into birthdays, and that's, that's awesome. That's, that's really cool, and then we thought it'd be really cool because at Christmas time, you can get cheap decorations because most churches are already decorated, so you don't have to do that. So we decided to get married uh, three days before Christmas. We saved a little bit on decorations, but we didn't know that it was going to make it such a peaceful time of year to add to all of the, all the other things that are going on. And so over the years, we've had dance recitals, we've had piano recitals, because you have to do those things at Christmas time too. We've had band performances. We've done theater performances. We've done Christmas parades. We've been in them and we've gone to them. Um, You know, and and we always like to go over this past Friday. We went over to Bethlehem, you know, Somerville. We went over to Bethlehem and and did the living story, the living Christmas story at Bethany. And and that's always a wonderful thing to do. It's always fun and peaceful to stand in line for an hour to drive through Bethany 30 seconds. And it's, it's an amazing thing. You have to do it if you haven't done it. Then there's also the annual Christmas lights down at James Island County Park. Raise your hand if you ever go to the lights. Well, we go down to the light. So we do that too. And then we've got Christmas parties because you have Christmas parties at work. You have Christmas parties with small groups. You have Christmas parties. I have Christmas parties with Driven. And you have Christmas parties with other friends. Lots of parties. Party, party, party. And then there's traveling to visit family. That's peaceful, right? (laughs) Oh, I forgot the shopping. Shopping? Lots of shopping because we all have to have the presents. We got to go do the shopping. And with the shopping, well, there's the traffic that comes with the the shopping because those cars have to do the shopping. And all of the friendly people (laughs) that are in all of those cars, they're so peaceful. And sometimes when I want a little extra smidge of peace, I turn on the news. Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? When you think about all the things that are going on at this time of year, there's so many good things to celebrate, so many exciting things. But it really, the truth of the matter is, I actually like all of those things. I mean, except for the traffic. I could do a little less with the traffic. But other than that, it can still be a lot of overwhelming things, a lot of stuff that's going on. And it's easy to get bogged down in the stuff the day-to-day, and completely miss the point of what this season is all about. And all of it is good. All of those things are really awesome experiences to have. But if we lose the point of what we're doing and why we celebrate this time, I just, you know, I have questions. Sometimes when we look around the world around us, we may wonder, where is their peace? Where do we find that peace? But let's just say, for example... Let's just suppose that all of the presents were bought in July, so that was done. And let's say that there were enough roads in this state or this town for all of the cars that have come from, well, I won't say where from, because you probably came from there. (laughs) So did I. 25 years ago, I came here too, so we're all a melting pot here. And what if all of the wars around the world that we see on the news ceased to exist? What about the conflicts that exist within us? Do they go away? Just because it's Christmas, the sickness doesn't go away, does it? The financial stressors, they don't disappear. In some cases, the financial stressors ramp up just a bit. The missing of loved ones who've gone home to be with the Lord recently. That doesn't end just because it's Christmas. We've had to face some of that this year in my close family, my driven family. Do our doubts, our fears, our anxieties, do they take a time out? No, they don't. Sometimes it's hard to find the peace in what should be the most peaceful time of year, right? Right? The students know that I have a favorite, a favorite word in the Bible, and so what? What is my favorite word? But. but it's awesome to be able to say, "But" with middle and high school students. And now I set it up here. That's cool. I like the word "but" because almost always, after you read the word "but" in the Bible, God comes next and does something really remarkable. Don't believe me? Take out your app. Not now. But later, when you've got some free time, pull out your app and go into the search bar and type out but God and click go. And then be encouraged. I did it the other day and there's somewhere in the neighborhood of 60 or 70 different instances where you can see but God. And then some really (laughs) awesome stuff that happens after that. But God. He saw us in our situation. He saw us in our mess. He saw us then, and He sees us today with our anxieties, our fears, our stresses, our financial situations, our relationships that are broken, the ones we're not sure where we're going and where where we've been. And He sent hope, and He sent peace, and He sent love, and He sent joy, and He sent, most of all, redemption. And he did it in the form of a little baby boy. Emmanuel, God with us. (sighs) Get chills up here. And it's not because the lights are bright. That's awesome. And yet just like that, poof, we can miss it if we're distracted by all of the noise around us. Last week, Pastor Dean shared with us that Jesus came to give us hope which is the confident expectation of what God has promised. God will do what he said he's going to do. And and because of this hope, and I think it's really important that hope comes first, because with you having hope, the hope that comes from Christ, it allows you to have peace. See, one comes before the other in, in my book. If you understand who you have hope in He then allows that opportunity to find peace in the internal and the external conflicts that we live in our lives. So this week our focus is peace, and as they as they mentioned in Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, the prophet records Jesus, the coming Messiah, as being the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. And so what I would like to suggest to you this morning right up front is whether it's external stressors, external conflicts that you're dealing with, or maybe it's internal, maybe it's the inside stuff that you got going on, is that this concept of peace is not the absence of conflict. It doesn't go away to have peace, but rather peace is the presence of God in the middle of it, in the midst of the conflict. You know, I've heard stories of people who go through really traumatic experiences um, and, and they experience, you know, despite all of the things that are going on around them, this unbelievable sense of peace within it. I, I, was, I shared this in the, first, in the first service. A few years ago, we walked down this dementia road. I pray none of you have to go through that, whether it's yourself or with loved ones. It's a nasty thing with my father-in-law. And, and during that time, you know, cognitive decline is a mess. And I remember one night, and it would have been really easy just to sit there and go, why me, God? How, how did I get ourselves into this? And so he's laying in his bed, and he wants to get out. He was one of those. He wanted to run free, and I don't blame him. But he wasn't able to do that. But he wanted to get up out of bed and, and sprint out the door. And so well, we would go, and we would sit with him. And I remember one night my wife had gone off to get some medicine up at CVS for him that they didn't have at the place he was living at the time and I was just sitting with him, and it was pitch black in the room, and maybe the bathroom light was on, and, and so he would try to sit up because he was trying to get out of bed, but he was weak enough that he couldn't really hold himself up, so I would put my hand up to try to keep him down, and he would grab my hand, and he'd smile real big, and we, we were just counting. Nothing else to do. We were just counting. That's where he was, and so he would pull himself up. He thought he was using me to get out of bed, but he was weak, and as he would pull up, I would just let him go right back down. And he wasn't really saying kind things, but we were practicing counting. And so he'd one, two, three, four, and then I'd push him right back down. And he'd get a little frustrated, and then he'd come right back up. And in the midst of all of that, because that's bizarre, y'all. It's tough. But in the midst of all of that, I remember the Lord just laying on me this is my peace. This is what love is. This is love spread out, taking care of people who need to be taken care of, regardless of the circumstances. He met me right there, and I felt it tangibly that God was saying, I'm giving you peace despite this ridiculous circumstance. And so that's really what I want to talk about now is saying, where, where do we find this inner peace? Well, it only comes from one place. It only comes from one place. I remember when I was little, a lot of adults used to say the following phrase, and you can finish my statement, I promise you. Can I just get a little peace and quiet? And I remember thinking to myself, why ain't that the same thing? Well, what I've learned over the years is, no. It is definitely not the same thing. Peace and quiet are two totally separate things. True. True. Yeah. It can be quiet and no peace around. So our Jewish friends often use this word, called shalom. They use it as a greeting and oftentimes they will they will come up to you and like, "Shalom." And they've used it for generations and it often gets translated into English as just merely peace, but it's more than peace. It it is a desire, it is a a well wishing. It is, I want the best for you. It is an inner peace I'm conveying onto you. When I come to you in the Jewish faith and I say, shalom, it means something. There's a bit more weight to it than just, sup, how's it going? Shalom. And so it's this inner, sometimes inexplicable peace That uh, I want, that sometimes we find ourselves in that I want to talk to you about today. How do we find that, that inner peace? So with that in mind, I'd really like for you, if you would, to turn to one of my favorite passages in the Bible. It's in Matthew 1, 18 through 25. Shout out to Pastor Trav for my friends in the front. It's one of my favorite passages in the Bible, especially about the Christmas story, because it focuses on Joseph. Joseph, my man. Joseph is incredible. He manages to raise the Savior of the world without uttering a single word. Well, I'm sure he probably had some words to share along the way, but none of them. Is recorded in scripture and I don't really think that's an accident either I think if Joseph were up here right now he would say listen it wasn't about me it was about him it's not my story I just listened to the Lord and did what he called me to do I followed him where he led and that was good enough for me But I do believe that a closer look at Joseph's story is important for us, and it gives us some insight into this concept of peace that he came to bring. So let's read Matthew 1, 18 through 25 together. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph So let's take a few minutes to look a little bit more closely at this situation. Welcome to Nazareth. You are in Nazareth now. Nazareth was a small town, wasn't very large at all. Uh, maybe about 500 people. I I was saying in the first service, uh, there was another gentleman who used to stand on the stage. We had a similar haircut. You you might know who I'm talking about. And he used to use this phrase, pastorally speaking, when he was estimating things. And And I would say that looking here, pastorally speaking, we have at least 500 people in the audience today. And so you are the now Nazareth. When I was little, I used to hear these stories of Mary, welcome Mary, this is Lexi Pate, this is Joseph, this is James Roden. They're they're standing here for me for a purpose, because when I was little, I used to hear these romantic stories of all of this down here, and I saw robes and headdresses and all those kinds of things, and it was a different place, it was a different time, it was those people, it was a very romantic version of Christmas, and I didn't get it. I didn't make a connection. It was just a cool story that you always hear. But Mary was about 13 or 14, much like Lexi was here. Was, is. Joseph, uh, Joseph. this Joseph is 15. Joseph probably would have been a little bit older, maybe 19 or 20. I brought them here because I want you to see what Mary and Joseph would have looked like in your community, Nazareth? Do they look like the kind of people who are about to get married? Maybe not, but that's the cultural thing. But we need to understand, Nazareth, what that's like, right? So I've got them in their modern attire, no, no, no thematic costumes or anything, but I wanted you to see their aids. So let's talk a second about betrothal. So in betrothal, so their parents would have gotten together, had a nice little conversation, shook on the deal, and they would be married in about a year if all went well. I don't know how our teens would feel about arranged marriages from their parents. I don't know. Some of y'all might like it. It's easier that way. All that dating stuff. Who needs that when you got marriage arranged by your parents? Right? They likely wouldn't have had much time together alone probably would have been chaperoned but in the course of that year if all went well they would come together as man and wife but for all intents and purposes the betrothal was a binding contract they were essentially married without the you know part but Matthew leaves a little bit out of the story So if you jump over to Luke 1, you don't have to do that, but if you do, you'd find that the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and tells her, hey, by the way, good to see you, you're going to become pregnant, and you're going to have all the details, and she's all excited about that. She doesn't know, but she steps into it, and then when she finds out, Luke tells us that a few days later, she heads out to visit cousin Elizabeth. Luke doesn't tell us if she told Joseph or not before she left. And we really don't even know if she was pregnant to begin with. Because if you look at it, the angel only says, you can go back and look at it in, Matthew, in, uh, in Luke, it says, or in Matthew, and he only says that she will conceive, will conceive and bear a child. That's future tense. So it is plausible that the angel came to Mary, said what what he said, and then a couple of days later, she's like, I'm out of here. I'm going to visit Elizabeth. The Bible says that she hurries off to visit Elizabeth. For three months, she's gone. So here's Joseph, engaged to his bride, seemingly oblivious to what's going on future bride leaves for three months to visit Elizabeth. So Mary begins to make her way back. Here she is. And Matthew says that in verse 18 that she is found to be pregnant. Look what I found! Could you imagine, Joseph? She didn't look like that before she left, but here she is, found to be pregnant, which suggests that he had no clue when she left that this is what she was going to be when she came back. Just imagine his situation. So after three or four months, we have a little bit of a baby bump here. Congratulations on your new baby. Okay, Nazareth, these are your people. What do you think? People are going to talk. People are going to stare. Does this bother you at all? It probably would have. It's a little bit of a kerfuffle. People are going to have questions. And in a small town of 500, we have an issue. And in all of that, imagine Joseph's situation. Imagine this from his perspective. Now, I'm not discounting what's going on with Mary because Mary's doing some good stuff over here, right? But this is not a peaceful situation for Joseph. He looks very serious, doesn't he? It's going to be okay, Joseph. This is an incredibly awkward situation. Whoa. And apparently tense, too. But what, but I tell my teens, uh, we have a phrase that we use in Driven. We say, um, what do we say about awkward situations? Yeah. We say to embrace the awkward. And what I like to follow that up is, is when you embrace the awkward, you can expect the awesome. Because that's usually where God shows up. Embracing these awkward situations where you have to rely on him for what he's going to do. You can't see what's going to happen. When you step into what he's doing, it may feel a little awkward. It may feel a little strange. But when you do it... You can expect the awesome, and he shows up, and he does it. And so there's no reason for Joseph to think otherwise. But imagine his situation here. So he's a good man. The Bible says that he's a good man. He's a just man. He wants to do what's right by Mary. So he considers a divorce because, you know, it could be a stoning. The old law said she should be stoned. Well, that's not a good outcome for anybody. So then he thinks maybe a quiet divorce, maybe a divorce. Well, just... It'll keep it on the down low. It'll be no big deal. But here's the thing. Even if he did divorce her, this now has Mary living a single mother life, which probably means she would be an outcast. Shame on you, Nazareth. We should be taking care of people, not kicking them out. Probably a life of poverty. She won't have a husband necessarily to provide in this situation. It's not good for Mary. And Joseph loves her. but God. God sees your mess. He sees where you are. Seems a little angry, don't he? He sees your awkward situations. He sees the things that you're going through, and he doesn't leave you there alone. And he doesn't leave Joseph alone either, and he sends Joseph an angel to say, listen, listen. And I love what he says first. Before he gets into the whole details of the business, he's like, Joe, don't be afraid, man. And then he goes into this is what God's got for you. So many times in the Bible, the Bible records words of fear not, do not fear. And I think that's instructive, those few little words for us to remember that when life gets tough and life gets crazy, we shouldn't fear. God has a plan for us. So the interesting thing is is Joseph hears from the angel and then he wakes up and then boom immediately does what he's supposed to do. And that's why I love Joseph so much. So despite all of these circumstances that he finds himself in, Joseph takes a stand for the Lord. He makes a commitment to his wife. And then as we read in the in the pages ahead, he is steadfast in protecting And raising his children we need more men like that today we need more men like that today thank you Mary and Joseph you did an amazing job word travels fast in a small town right this would have been a disaster for these folks But God sees us in our trouble, in our things that we can't understand, and he says, I've got you. So how does Joseph, in all of this situation, living in your community, be able to find that peace, that shalom, to respond as he did? And likewise, how can we learn from that, whether we're finding internal or external struggles, When we have those things come our way, how can we respond likewise? Now, that's the question. I realize that I may lose a few generations here with this example, but I'm going to share this story anyway. A a while ago, we'll just say a while ago, I was traveling with some friends. We were coming back from a game. We were in West Virginia. We were at Marshall University. Any West Virginia people here? Yes, awesome. I can tell the story too. None in first service, none in second service. So this is a free story, all right? So we were coming back from Marshall. Wonderful, peaceful place. It was a football game. We were not on the Marshall side. We were on the other side. But uh, nevertheless, the game was a disaster. We lost horribly. But if you know anything about Marshall football in the 1990s, it's pretty impressive. On our way back, squealing through in the winding roads of the mountains of West Virginia, we were headed back to Greenville. My buddies and I—we wanted to hear a, a game. I can't remember if it was a Panthers game or if it was a Hurricanes game. Whatever it was, we were trying to find the game on the radio. And 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 then and then the olden days—you'd have to have a little dial, right? Do you remember when you would turn the radio dial, and as you got further away, you, like you could just. Barely twist that thing, and you could get the perfect signal. Well, back now in our digital days, we were trying to, like, go between 0.5 and 0.0 and 0.5 and 0.0. Trying, because as we moved further and further away from this signal, we started picking up bluegrass. Banjos and everything. And we laughed at it at first. But then the game faded completely out and we got full-fledged bluegrass for an hour and a half or so. And by the time we got an hour and a half into it, you know what we were doing? We were jamming to some bluegrass. It was awesome. But then a Spanish or a Mexican mariachi station came in. And we're like, I don't want to listen to mariachi band right now. But we didn't really have much of a choice because we kept getting further away from our original signal to another signal. And so now... An hour into mariachi, we're like, well, this is pretty good stuff. And the thing that we realized was that the further we got away from that original tower, we ended up finding a worse and worse signal that led us to listening to something that was totally different. And it was something totally different that we didn't intend to listen to at all. We didn't set out to listen to mariachi music. But the crazy part was, we ended up liking it. And it wasn't even what we intended to do to begin with. Let's do some audience participation. Okay, 11 months out of the year, not now, 11 months out of the year, if I turn on, or you turn on 100.9 FM, you're gonna find what? Way FM and Way FM plays Christian music, great. I love audience participation. Thank you for taking a bold step for audience participation. I was not sure how that was going to work. 103.5, 92.5, you're going to listen to what? Country. That's right. Good. Country people representing. And right now, I don't know what they do the rest of the year. Don't judge. But if you listen to 102.5 right now, what will you hear? Christmas music. Clearly, you are the only people who listen to traditional radio. So, yay. And I would be willing to bet that if you turned on that radio station right now, you'd hear Kelly Clarkson, Bing Crosby, or Alvin and the Chipmunks. Because they kind of rotate them pretty, pretty regularly through there. But here's my question. How do you know that? You know that because you know where to find what you like to listen to. Music often brings us enjoyment. It can brighten our day and it can improve our mood. It can inspire us. It can encourage us. And it can bring us a little peace for a little while. How often do you tune into the Word of God? How often do you intently try to listen for His voice? Have you ever felt like maybe you've gotten a little too far away from his signal? Maybe you're not picking it up so well? Joseph was tuned in. He was tuned in. When Joseph heard the words of the angel, he knew he would received a clear signal. He found peace, and it gave him that courage to respond in the way that he was called to do. So what I learned from Joseph's response in this, and what I think we can take away from this, is that when I want to find peace, especially during this time of year, when I want to find peace, I need to tune in to his voice. I need to draw near to his signal, his presence. And then I need to turn down the noise and distractions of the world. Well, yay, that's easy. Wouldn't that be amazing if we could just Click that switch and do it. So how do I do that? Well, the Bible gives us a number of responses throughout the Word of how we can do these things. And here are two of my favorites. I've got a, I've got a couple of bracelets that I wear that goes along with this, and I just I think about it every day. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. How still are you? Do we like to be still? No, we do not like to be still. See, I didn't give you a chance to answer. We like to be busy. We don't like to be still, because when we're still, we have to deal with things. Jesus, years later, would tell his disciples how you can achieve some peace. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Draw near to me. Tune in to my signal. Listen to my voice. Spend time with me, and I will give you all kinds of things. And among that, peace. In your internal and in your external. A lot of times in life, the challenges we face don't have easy answers. In the midst of a lot of these storms, it it can often be difficult to see what life on the other side is going to look like. I wonder what your storm is. What's your struggle? What are the things that you are dealing with right now that you are having a hard time putting aside to find that Christmas peace? Sometimes we're faced with incredible decisions. Many of these are life-changing decisions. The consequences of these things, you may not necessarily be able to know until you get on the other side of it. Jesus, or Jesus, Joseph clearly faced one of these decisions. I mean, everything that was coming to him was telling him this is going to be a, a ridiculous outcome. He had a choice to make. He could rely on what he understood about life. He could uh, embrace his cultural community. Or he could trust in the Lord and the commands that he was given and presented to him by the angel who came to visit him. Joseph would have known Proverbs 3 5 and 6. It says this Trust in the Lord with all your heart, do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. I'm encouraged by this. So when we're faced with these incredible decisions, and I don't know what decisions that you have to make, I don't know what uncertainty you're facing this morning, but here's what I do know, that I can find peace when I trust and obey the one whose plans are better for me than the plans that I have for myself. That's hard, y'all. Y'all, that's a southern Hebrew word. You can find it if you go further south. But his plans are better than anything that we could think up ourselves. But how hard is that for us to step into sometimes? Joseph would have known Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not disaster. This looked like a disaster. But he has the plans to give you a future and a hope. The prophet Isaiah 26.3 says, You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. Looking back at Matthew 1.24, when Joseph awoke from his sleep, he did immediately as the Lord commanded. His obedience, Joseph's obedience, really reveals what I think is a man of true faith, a good man who trusted in God's leading even when he could not see the end of the story. There's no way that he could not have known exactly how that was going to work out. So I take encouragement in that, and I encourage you as well. We may not necessarily see the other side. We may not know how these things are going to work out, but what we can do is we can trust in the Lord that his plans are better for us than the ones that we have for ourselves. And may it be scary, and may it be nerve-wracking, and may it be very uncertain, he is good all the time. It doesn't say we'll feel good. It just says he is good. So, whatever you're going through this Christmas time, take encouragement in that and find peace. Yesterday, Yesterday was fun. We, we went over to Oak Brook Elementary School. Raise your hand if you were at Love Gave yesterday. Anybody who went? There's a few of y'all here. There was a number of us who went over and did our annual Love Gave. It's, a, it's like a yard sale, but instead of selling stuff, you give people stuff. It's amazing because a lot of you guys donated some really remarkable things. The cafeteria was slammed with, with all kinds of things for people to shop for. And it's just an amazing experience to just engage with that Oak Brook community. What they do is they say, hey listen, Oak Brook friends and family, if you wanna come free shopping, nothing cost, you come and buy presents for your family. And it's a very humbling experience to share stories with people who come and they tell you the hardships that they're facing. Some are facing sicknesses, some are facing bills, rent, good grief. If you guys have any idea about rent right now, when your lease ends, That next next one's going to cost quite a bit. I I had one lady who told me, she said, I'm so grateful that you guys were here because, quote, I don't have any money for this year. There's going to be no Christmas presents. But it's just a fun experience just to engage um, with the community, um, but at the same time share a little bit of love of Christ with them, a little bit of hope a little bit of peace, that it is going to be okay despite the circumstances they're in. You know, people often report that when they engage in acts of service that they find a certain amount of peace themselves in the process where they have gone out to help others. That was the intention. They went to go do something for somebody else, but the reward or the result was that they ended up feeling something themselves, maybe something a little unexpected. Maybe you have too. You've gone out to help others, and you walked out going, good grief, I feel like that I got more out of that than anything that I did for anybody else. God gives you that. God gives you that peace, that feeling of, wow, that was, that was pretty good. So whether you're serving at Love Gave, or whether you are going to pick out presents for Toys for Tots, and there's some of you guys who go out and deliver Toys for Tots, or maybe you go and pick one of the angel trees, you get a family or you get a few kids off an angel tree, and you know, Oldbrook had one of those they are everywhere. A few weeks ago, we did Operation Christmas Child Boxes. We did a bunch of those. Our students really love packing these things to send the love of Christ around the world to children who may not know who Jesus is. And they're introduced through a gift. Just like Jesus introduced himself as a gift to us. Or maybe you serve the homeless downtown on Third Sunday. A warm meal and a kind face. A nice conversation with someone that you may not ordinarily spend time with. There's a number of places that do food distributions during this time throughout our community for folks who are needy. Regardless of whatever it is that you do, there are opportunities out there to pour into the lives of others. But you don't necessarily have to go and do those things. Because you can also share the love and peace of Christ when you check up on a friend, a neighbor, maybe a loved one that you haven't spent any time with in a while. See, sometimes we end up focused so much on me, 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 and my, my, mine, that we forget that there are people out there that could use some love, that could use some time, that could use some encouragement, some inspiration. So when Joseph heard the words of the angel, he knew that his role was not going to be just to simply care for Mary, but he was also going to be helping to raise a child. And this child would bring peace for all humanity. That's a, that's a tall order. He knew, maybe not clearly, but he knew, I'm doing this for Joseph, he would have to share his child with the world. This child would be the way that God would bring peace between us and himself. Matthew 121 says, For he will save his people from his sins. Could you imagine Joseph and carrying that around? And the peace that he found in the Lord then sustained him in caring for Mary and for bringing up Jesus. I think that he was at peace within himself because he knew that he was about God's kingdom work. He was doing what he was called to do, and he took peace in that. I think we can too. When he was willing to share his son with the rest of the world, so if, if what I say is, if I am seeking peace, if I'm looking for peace this Christmas time, I do know that I can find peace when I share the love of Christ and his peace with others. Maybe if I spend a little less time worried about my own stuff and try to pour a little bit of him into others, I might get a little peace return on the investment there. And guess what? They're going to get a whole lot of return on the investment. Jesus came to dwell with us, among us, to give us peace. And that's awesome. But the thing about it is, it's a peace like no other. No one else can give you this peace. The world can't give you this peace. It can only come from him. And he tells us that. The Gospel writer John records this years later when Jesus tells his disciples. He says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Where are you looking for your peace this Christmas season? He clearly tells us we can't find it anywhere other than through him. It's a peace that only he offers. So where do you find yourselves this Christmas season? Are you desperately seeking peace? Do you need to tune in? Do you need to draw near to his presence? Do you need to turn down the noise and distractions of the world around you? I know I do sometimes. Well, this time of year is a great time. If you don't normally do this, they put a lot of devotionals out to follow through the Advent season. I know there was one posted on the weekly update that you got through email on Friday. Find a way to engage with Christ this Christmas season. Step in to whatever you're going through and say, Jesus, come into this experience and help me to find peace during this time. Are you facing a life-changing decision a sickness, an illness, whatever's going on. It it may be little to others, but big to you, whatever it is. Are you facing a decision in your life where maybe you just need to trust and obey? You've tried to figure it out. You've drawn all the scenarios scenarios out on paper, you know, plan A, B, C, and D. You've got it all figured out, but yet you don't feel at peace about any of them. Do you need to trust and obey what God's telling you to do? Or just maybe... Are you one of those folks that are abiding in peace right now? Are you all good? Well, there might be people around you that could use a little bit of that. Maybe your calling right now is to share some of that peace with others. Either way, whatever your answer to those questions are, peace has come. And he can be found. And his name is Jesus. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, I'm so grateful. I'm grateful for this season because it's a, it's a reminder of, God, just such a wonderful gift. It's a gift we can't imagine. It's a gift we can't truly understand. This gift of your presence in our life I can only imagine what it would have been like for Joseph and Mary to walk down this road. Barely even understanding that what they were doing was going to change the world. But yet, that was their experience, and we can share that same experience too. God, when we call you into our heart and say, You are my Lord, you are my Savior. You bring us that peace. You bring us that hope that allows us to have peace. And from that peace comes a joy. And from that joy, we can love others. What a remarkable story. A life-changing story. God, we could use that we could use that peace during this time. I pray for those of us who have all kinds of things going on in our lives right now. I pray that you would insert yourselves, yourself in the, in the midst of our struggles, our challenges. But God, also be in the midst of all the excitement, the concerts, the performances, the parties. your peace reigns supreme through all of our comings and goings during this season so that we could have a reawakening of this presence of you in our lives. Help us to tune in. Create a desire in our heart to tune into you, to hear your word, to hear your voice. Just as much as we turn into WayFM help us to draw near to your presence and turn down those distractions and noise of the world help us to trust and obey you Lord help us to remember your plans are greater and that you have our good and our well-being peace for my friends in this family that we call River and we know that you will do those things so thank you God for what you are doing in and through this family called River Bluff and that we may have the courage to share your love and your peace with others with those that we come in contact